You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Get back to things. Good morning, man. A little peppy today, a little quiet. It's okay, though. It's, a little, it's okay. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today, and especially for those of you who are new, uh, and we would love to get to know you. But uh, if you guys don't know me, uh, I am Pastor Bobby. I am the connecting pastor here at the church, and I oversee worship along with the adult discipleship. And I'm so excited to be able to continue our series this morning in the book of Exodus as we tackle Exodus chapter 14 and part of Exodus 15. And for next week, you're a assignment, your homework, is to read the rest of what we don't go over the rest of chapter 15 for next week. But over the past several weeks, Pastor Benny's preached about Moses, the Israelites, and about how God has continued to do miracle after miracle to help deliver the Israelites from slavery. And each week, we continually see how Israel's God is the living God and how he cares for his people. That is what we have said is the theme of Exodus, that I am the living God and I care for my people. Will you say that with me this morning? I am the living God, and I care for my people. There we go. As we continue on this morning, let us remember that God feels a similar way towards us uh, because we are his people, that he cares for us, and he wants to help deliver us from our sin and our shame that is keeping us in bondage. But if you haven't been joining us here in person, here is what has happened up to this point in the book of Exodus. So Israel is in slavery, and Moses went to Pharaoh saying, let my people go. But Pharaoh, he won't listen. So God sent all these plagues to the Egyptians in order to show his greatness. And now he has completely destroyed the Egyptians' cattle, their crops, and their health. And Pharaoh, he's finally allowing Moses and the Israelites to leave. Or so we think. Today we will see God's final act of deliverance, and we will see the very first thing the Israelites do as a free people. So imagine if you were in slavery, or if you were in prison, or if you were trapped in another country, or if you were raised in a strict home, or maybe caught in the throes of addiction, or if you've ever felt like you've ever been controlled in your life, what would be the first thing that you would do as a free person? I can tell you what I would do. I know this because uh, the very first thing I did after spending 10 days out of the country in Asia was that I went and I got an American cheeseburger. Mm. And I got it with fries and I got it with a Coke. You best believe it. But what would you do? And what did the Israelites do? Well, we see uh, the first thing that they did when they found out that they were free, as they were free, the first thing they did was sing, right? And as a worship pastor, I love that. Let me tell you what. And believe it or not, uh, if you didn't know this, if you've been reading along with us, this is the very first corporate worship song ever written in the entire Bible. And it was written as a celebration of freedom and a celebration of deliverance. And it made me think, this is going to be a little interactive today. It's going to be a musical this morning. Uh, it made me think of one of the first songs that I learned uh, whenever I got saved and whenever I started going to church. And uh, maybe you can think of one of the first songs that you learned as well. Uh, but this is one of the songs that I learned. It goes, God of wonders beyond our galaxy, you are holy. Holy, 
first declares your majesty that you are holy, holy. Any of you guys know that song? Heard a couple of you, yeah, man. Ah, man, I love that song, and it still has a very close place to my heart. Um, Because, you know, there's something special about music, and and maybe you guys felt it there, maybe you felt it during worship, but there's something about it that speaks to our souls, and and something I always say to people that it aligns our head with our heart. But one of the things I've noticed as a worship pastor is actually how people don't sing as much as they used to, and some of your guys' lack of participation thus proves my point. See, not as many people know how to read music anymore. Fewer children learn an instrument or join their school's choir. And house parties no longer have families standing around a piano and singing Christmas songs. And oh yeah, let me remind you, houses don't normally have pianos anymore. It's interesting that the only time we sing anymore is when we feel like, you know, no one's watching or, 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 you know, we might sing in the car or... Maybe in the shower. Or we might sing at church when it's so loud that no one else can hear us. Or you might see that stoic dad who finally goes to a rock concert and he's rocking out and singing his heart out. But really, that's about it anymore. And maybe we don't sing because much like the Israelites, we aren't free. We're trapped in our own insecurities or our own shame, or, or we may have lost our sense of awe and wonder. You know, we might be worried about uh, what others will think Or maybe we think we're too civilized, but really we're trapped and being held hostage to a certain way of thinking, acting, and behaving. As I think about the Exodus story and the story of the Israelites being let out of slavery and captivity, I'm reminded of our own recent history here uh, with slavery in the United States as well as in Europe. And as slaves were traveling up through the Underground Railroad from the South, they had different songs that they would sing about being free. And like you would imagine, a lot of them found solace in this very story from the Exodus. You know that song, maybe you know it, it's called Go Down Moses, where they sing, let my people go. It's actually one of the popular hymns from that time of the Underground Railroad. It's about someone named Harriet Tubman. See, music was something that gave them hope when they had no hope that these slaves would sing these songs of freedom in hopes that God would deliver them the same way he delivers Israel in this story today. And in a similar way, during the slave trading era in Europe, there was this slave ship captain. His name was John Newton. If you don't know John Newton's story, you should look it up. It's fascinating. And Newton at the time, he was known as a scoundrel for his treatment of slaves. And, and, may, and many people later in history, looking back at him, they see this hypocritical nature to him during his early years because he would go to church on Sundays and then he would traffic human beings the rest of the week. But after retiring at a young age, Newton finally realized the horror of what he had done. You know, he saw the treatment of those he had trafficked. He knew how many people had died at his hand. He knew the fate that was still ahead of those yet to be trafficked from Africa. And so John, he decided to become a voice of opposition against the slave trade in Europe. And so this man who was once part of the problem decided and said to be part of the solution. Because he was willing to share his personal experience with Parliament, 
he and a few of his colleagues were able to finally end the slave trade in Europe, which helped set the stage for getting rid of slavery here in America as well. And as John, he reflected on this double life he lived, and as he reflected on the way a righteous and good God would forgive someone, even as cruel and ruthless as him. Oh, hey. All right, it's going to get loud for a second. Ready? Okay, thank you. So anyway, as John reflected on these words, uh, or reflected on the good God, um, he ended up penning these words um, about his life. And they go like this. They go, amazing grace, how sweet a sound that saved a wretch like me. a little bit better, a little bit better. We'll get there, we'll get there, it's okay, it's okay. But instead of uh, today talking about the story that most of us know out of the story of the Exodus, which is the parting of the Red Seas and the Israelites walking on dry ground, I actually want to take time to talk about the story that we don't know. I want to take time to talk today about the song of deliverance that they sang after they got their freedom. See, we see in the song of deliverance that it is a response to who God is, what God has done, and what he is going to do in the future. But the first thing that we need to understand is why the Israelites were singing in the first place, that this was a response from them for what God had done in their lives. Um, The Israelites were able to leave Egypt, and so they're leaving, they're fleeing, but instead of taking them away from their enemies, God instead leads them into a dead end by leading them straight to the Red Sea. And so the Israelites, they were cornered. And if you know anything about combat or war or fighting, the worst place to be trapped is in a corner with your enemy surrounding you. And that is exactly what happened with the Israelites. But what we end up seeing in the Song of Deliverance in Exodus 15 is that it was actually Pharaoh's pride that ultimately led to his destruction when they crossed the Red Sea. It says in verses 9 and 10 of chapter 15 that the enemy said, who is Pharaoh, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil, my desire shall have its fill of them, I will draw out my sword, my hand shall destroy them. But then they say, but you, God, you blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. When Pharaoh saw that Israel was cornered at sea, he saw an easy opportunity for them to get the upper hand. See, time and time again in this story, we see that God has continually had the upper hand against Pharaoh. Pharaoh has been helpless. He's looked like a fool, and Egypt has looked like a fool. And now finally, here they are. The Israelites are cornered, and Pharaoh can take advantage of them. They were sitting ducks, and they would have been if it wasn't for God. But see, God not only helped the Israelites by freeing them and parting the Red Sea, but the Israelites, they didn't leave now as pardoned slaves. See, through the parting of this Red Sea, the Israelites left Egypt now as victors over their enemies. 
that they just weren't fleeing anymore, but they defeated Pharaoh and his army. And let me tell you, if you're a nation wandering in the desert, this gives you a little bit of street cred, right? It allowed Israel to leave knowing that God was the one that actually delivered them, and it it let them, as well as every other nation around them, know. And even the Egyptians, right before they were engulfed in the sea, they say in chapter 14, verse 25, that the Lord is fighting for Israel against Egypt. So we need to remember this morning that our worship, our singing is a response to the deliverance that we have in Jesus. We need to remember that when we come here on a Sunday morning and sing, or when we serve as a hero through CityServe, or when we join a connect group that's starting in a few weeks and we grow in community, or when we do anything in the name of Jesus, that it is a response to all that God has already done for us. That we were once dead in our sins, but now we are alive in Christ. That Christ took the death and punishment that we deserved so that we can spend eternity with him. So how we respond to him, it matters a big deal, doesn't it? How do you respond to him when you're facing victory and when you're at the peak and the pinnacle of your life? And how do you respond to him when you're facing tragedy and you're at the lowest point you'll ever face? See, this reminds me of another story of a man named Horatio Spafford and how he responded to God in the midst of tragedy. See, Spafford, he was this really successful businessman, but he ended up losing everything in a horrendous fire. And and while still reeling from this tragedy, Horatio, he sent his family away on a vacation so that they could kind of pick up the pieces, uh, so that, you know, uh, Horatio could pick up the pieces of his business and his life Uh, without the distraction of his family, without being a burden to his family, and so that his wife and his daughters could escape their present reality, the present reality of what they were facing, of losing everything that they owned. But while on their trip to Europe for vacation, the boat carrying his wife and daughter, it ended up sinking. And the wife sent home this sobering letter stating only two sentences. said, saved alone, what shall I do. So Spafford, you can imagine, he dropped everything. Uh, and and he's, he himself, he set sail to Europe to meet his wife so that they could grieve together the loss of their two girls. And it was while at sea on the Atlantic Ocean, while he was grieving, that the captain pointed out where his uh, daughters had passed away. And he wrote this song. It goes, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea pillows roll, whatever my lot. Thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. See, that should be our same response, shouldn't it? Now, regardless of what we face, or regardless of what we go through, 
that we'll still respond with praise and worship. That we won't be people known for playing the victim or, or we won't be people known for trashing a politician on Facebook or complaining about gas prices or being rude or unloving, but that we will be people known for praising Jesus in spirit and in truth despite what is happening in our homes or at our jobs or in the country or around the world. And our response should be the same, that whatever we face, we will trust God and praise him in the midst of it. But what should this response and this song of deliverance look like? This is where we turn this morning to Exodus chapter 15. First, our response of worship should declare who God is. And so in Exodus 15, in verses 1 through 3, it says, Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his So above recognizing what God has done for them, they declare right off the bat who he is. And in these three verses alone, Moses declares God's name five times. The same name God said to Moses in the burning bush. He says over and over again, Moses, he says, the I am, the Lord did this, and this is who he is. He is the present and active God who comes to our defense because that is his very name. He is the I am God. And this reminds me of another story this morning of a church right here in the United States that faced their own tragedy. And this was several years ago, a little over 10 years ago or so and how they responded and declared who God was in the midst of their tragedy. And this well-known megachurch had just lost their pastor to a moral failure. And they found out that he, this person that they loved and confided in was living a double life. And in the midst of recovering from that hurt and that loss and that betrayal, less than a year later, there were three people who were killed during one of their services. A woman and her daughter were brutally murdered in the church parking lot, and then the assailant, after being shot himself, took his own life. As you can imagine, the church was broken. I mean, how would you respond if something like that happened here at the Gateway Church? And it was through that tragedy that the worship team, the worship pastors came together, and um, they sang this song that ended up being an anthem for them in the midst of that season. And, And it ended up not just being an anthem for them, but it ended up being an anthem for a lot of other churches in America. And it goes like this. It goes that we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Everyone overcome. We sing it again. We will overcome. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, everyone overcome. Savior, Savior. 
stuck in slavery, the first thing that we need to remember is who our God is. That he is worthy. That he is the deliverer. That he is the king of kings and the lord of lords. That he is the lion and the lamb. That he is the Messiah. That he is the one who overcame and he is the overcomer. That he is the word made flesh and he is dwelling among us. That he is alive today. And sometimes before we can do anything, we need to remember who our God is. Who is God to you? And when was the last time you just sat and recognized who he is? When was the last time you just thought about, man, God, you're so good. You're so great. You know, he's so great that he could crush us under the waters and the waves of the sea, and yet so good that instead of destroying us, He rescues us and delivers us. And even though he's the God of the universe, he's bigger than anything we could ever imagine, he takes time to care for every single one of our needs. None of our problems are too small for God, and yet somehow, ironically, none of our problems are too big for him either. See, the first thing that we need to be reminded of in our response to God is who our God is. That he is the great I am. And that should be the first part of our song of deliverance. But we need to not only remember who our God is, but we need to remember what he has done as well. And this is a big focus for the Israelites. Um, it's startling even when reading in chapter 14 of Exodus, uh, because everything, it almost seems very factual whenever they talk about what God has done. And in verses uh, 21 and 22, it says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, And the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. I mean, while a miracle indeed, it's very straightforward and to the point. But then we get to chapter 15, and look what Moses says about what happened in this song. He says in verses 6 through 8 of chapter 15, it says that your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power, Your right hand, Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up, the floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. Now let me tell you what. That's a story. That's a miracle. That's a song of deliverance. You know, when we're facing trials and when we're praising God, we need to remember not just who God is, but we need to also be reminded of what he has done in our lives. You know, let me see a hand, a show of hands this morning. Is there a time in your life, even once, where God came through for you in a miraculous way? Anyone here? Show of hands. 
I mean, that's a good number of people, right? You know, maybe there's a time in your life where the odds were stacked against you, or, or maybe there was a moment where you were caught in addictions, or you were in a crossroads in your marriage, or, or maybe there was a moment where you were depressed and broken, and God ended up sending the right person at the right time, or, or God did something in a miraculous way that you didn't even know was possible. Let's make sure that we never forget the deliverance that we've received that we are sinners set free, that we were bought with a price. And if there's a moment where we ever doubt God's goodness or his faithfulness, let us look back at these moments where he showed up in a mighty and miraculous way. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you haven't done so, write these miracles down. Maybe even in the open pages of, these, of the scripture journal you have, if, if everyone has their Exodus journal. There's a lot of open pages, right? Because we kind of go through large chapters at a time, and maybe you have a blank page. Take a moment, and maybe even on this page, in Exodus 14 or 15, just take a moment and write down all the ways that God has showed up for you in the past. Take a time to remember how God set you free like he did the Israelites in this passage. And maybe even you need to write down your own song of deliverance or a poem yourself about how God set you free. But we need to not only remember who God is and what he has done, but lastly, we need to be reminded of what he is going to do in the future. You know, while the first half of the song talks about uh, who God is and what he has done in the past and the present, the second half of the song in Exodus 15 talks about what God will do in the future. In verse 13, it says, you have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. And then the song ends in verses 17 and 18. And it says, you will bring them in and plant them on your mountain." The place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. See, part of being reminded of who God is and part of being reminded of what he has already done, it gives us hope for the future. And while the Israelites were free people, I mean, they were still wanderers without a home. And they would end up wandering in the desert for 40 years before finally going into the promised land. There's this author, uh, maybe you know her, her name is Maya Angelou, who speaks of the singing of a caged bird as a song of hope that it will one day break free from its cage and fly. And singing in a similar way, I think it gives us a hope and it reminds us that one day our hope will become reality, that what we sing for will become truth. But for now, in a way, all of our hearts echo that of Angelou's. And this is the end of her poem called A Cage Bird. It says, the cage bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown but longed for still. And this tune is heard on the distant hill for the caged bird sings of freedom. In a similar way to the Israelites, we have been delivered and set free from our sins but we still live in a world that is broken and in captivity to sin. You know, we're eternal citizens living on a temporal earth that people will still let us down, people will still disappoint us, that nations will still go to war like what we're seeing today, that people will still get sick, that loved ones will pass away. But being reminded of God's character 
and his faithfulness in the past reminds us that he will be faithful in the future. That the sins we now struggle with will one day, uh, we will overcome in the name of Jesus. That the hate and the racism and the bigotry and the war that we still see will one day have its end. That we serve a king who is on the throne and who will one day come back to welcome us into our own promised land when heaven comes down to meet earth. And singing songs of deliverance, it reminds us to have hope in that future. And you want to know how I know that? It's because the same song of Moses in Exodus 15, it's actually mentioned again in the Bible in another book called the Book of Revelation. It's the last book of the Bible. And where this uh, original song is in Exodus 15, if we turn this morning to Revelation 15, we'll we'll see the song being sung again. Listen to what it says. This is what it says in Revelation 15, in verses 2 through 4. It says, I saw what appeared to be what? I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire. And also those who had what? Those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name standing beside again this sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. And so here we have this conquering people set free standing next to the sea. And what do they do? They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. The same song of deliverance in Exodus 15 is what we'll be singing for all of eternity. And and while the words might not be exactly the same, the truth of our song of deliverance will stand for the rest of time. That we serve the one true God who cares for his people and delivers them from slavery. As the worship team comes up this morning, I want to ask you one thing. What song are you singing. Are you singing a song of deliverance? What is the soundtrack of your soul this morning? See, last year we went through this series called Soundtracks. I think we have a graphic uh, here of what it looked like. Yeah, there it is. Winning the war that wages in our minds. And if you haven't heard it, I encourage you to listen to it. Um, and in that, in that series, Soundtracks, that we went through last April and May, we talked about mental health and the different things that we tell ourselves and play in our minds over and over. And this song that we're about to sing here in a moment was our church's own soundtrack through that series. And it says that God is with us, that God is for us, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And doesn't that sound a lot like Moses' deliverance song? What soundtrack are you playing? Or are you so trapped in your own shame and guilt and hurt that you've forgotten you have a voice at all? Or maybe forgotten how to sing? Let the songs of freedom and deliverance from the Underground Railroad or or the song of grace from a repentant slave trader or the song of God's faithfulness from a grieving church or even a song of God's goodness from a broken father remind you that you have a song of deliverance yourself to sing and share with the world. 
one that you may not have sung in a while, or maybe even a song yet to be written. But all of us have a song of deliverance, like the caged bird waiting to break free. So what song are you singing? And how do you need to be reminded of how God has set you free? Will you stand with me this morning? We are going to end um, with a, a time of response. And before we do, uh, first service, uh, Ryan here had a, an amazing word, and I want to encourage you to share it again. And then after you share it, will you just pray for us and then, uh, and then lead us into worship, man? So, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, so first service, um, while Bobby was preaching, the Lord just kind of spoke to my heart, and I think it was, it was encouraging for me, and I was hoping that it would be encouraging for first service and for you guys today too. Um, I think the Lord just kind of reminded me that he, like God desires to be close to you. And I think a lot of times we might like close, close off our hearts so we can just sing this song that says, you know, you are with me, you are for me, without actually opening our hearts and asking the Lord, like, Lord, would you would you come close to me? Would you would you be close to me? And I and I don't know why. Like I I do that a lot too. And I think a lot of times it's just because I kind of put up this wall because I don't really know what it means for the Lord to be close to me, and I don't really know. And like it's a little scary to open myself up like that. Um, but I think like the Lord's been showing me, and He's been teaching me to just if if I can commit this time, if I can commit my time to the Lord. And just say, God, I commit this to you. I open my heart to you. Would you come, would you just come close to me? I think he continues to remind me, like, yes, I desire to come close to me. So he's running after your heart. He's running after you, wherever you're at, whether you've served him for 30 years or you don't know who Jesus is, he's running after you always, and he's desiring to come close to you in every moment. Um, so when we go back into this song, just let this be your song of deliverance today. Um, and yeah, so I'm just going to pray. And Lord, would you, would you come close to us, Jesus? That's, that's what we want. That's who you are, who we want, Lord. It's all for you. Jesus, would you, would you come close today? Would you meet us right where we're at, God? We commit this time to you. We commit our hearts to you, God. And I just open, I open my heart to you, Jesus. Thank you for everything that you are in Jesus' name. your eyes for a time of reflection. I want you to think in this moment of who God is. And just take a moment to uh, picture that. Maybe it's the compassion. Maybe it's his loving side. Maybe it's the I am side. Picture who God is right now. everything he's done for you. Maybe it's a testimony or maybe it's a, a, something that he's brought you out of. Maybe it's the story of deliverance. Maybe he's brought you to new life by accepting him as Lord and Savior. Maybe that's something you need to do today. Maybe in this moment you could say, God, forgive me. Take a moment and think about what he's done for you.
You know, despite the difficulties that we may go through in life, I think if there's that constant reminder that the God that we read about in the Bible, the God that was with Moses, the God that was with Jonah, the God even that was throughout the New Testament is the same God that's with us today. He's the same God who brought you out of something. He's the same God who's going to continue to walk with you as you go throughout life. And so can we just pray this morning? Jesus, Lord, we thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you for the word that you spoke through Pastor Bobby this morning. Lord, I pray for the ones who are even coming to this room with heavy hearts. Lord, ones who may be going through something in this room. Lord, I pray, Lord, that they'd be able to rely on you. Lord, they'd be able to see the victory that they have in you. Lord, that you would walk with them. Lord, that you would never leave them or forsake them. And Lord, we give you the praise and honor of everything that you're doing in our lives and even the lives through the people through the Gateway Church, even with City Serve and all the different ministries that are coming out through here. Lord, I pray, Lord, a blessing over the Gateway Church as we leave this place. Lord, would you walk with us, Lord, as we leave? In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. And everyone said? Amen, amen. I uh, just want to remind you that tonight we have our annual business meeting at 6 o'clock. And then also, if you're new with us, we'd love to connect with you in the Connection Center as well. And go in the grace of God. We love you, and we'll see you next week or tonight. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.